Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And with us today is Tim's wife, Jessica, a.k.a. Wife of DFG on Twitter. Jess, thank you for joining our national recap episode today. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So, um, Tim, uh, you and Jess came to the show on Saturday. And as you all know, I was there for all five days selling. Didn't really get a chance to buy. What I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about about my experience as a seller and you two could talk about your experiences as, uh, you know, shopping. Now, this wasn't the first national for any of us. How many nationals have you guys gone to? This was my ninth. I think this was maybe my third. Out of the nine nationals you've been to, Tim, were any of them not in Chicago? Uh, Nope. Every one of them was in Chicago. So I think, let me see. I went to... 2008, 11, 13, 15, 17, 19, and 21. So I've been to seven. So you went to a couple before 2008, I take it? My first one was in 93. Wow. Yeah. And then I went to uh, the one or two before your first one. Okay. And then I've been all the same ones that you have. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and Jess has so, been at the last three that are in Chicago, right? Yes. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, especially being near Chicago. I mean, I know you guys aren't like near like across the street, but across the state line, that's closer than a lot of people who come to the show. Yeah, it's not that far. It takes us about, hopefully about an hour to get there. Maybe hour 15 with traffic. There was just this pent up demand for sports cards between the people who hadn't been able to go to shows in a while and the new breed of collectors who had rediscovered their collection. I'm calling them new breed of collectors because they're new. They might have been card collectors, you know, 30 years ago. But then I even had people who just didn't really even know hockey, but they'd be like, oh, I want to buy that card of that really good player. And they would buy it from me. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of people um, at the show. Um, It was really insane on Friday. That was the busiest day of the show, surprisingly. It wasn't Saturday. Saturday felt like Friday. Friday felt like Saturday. I'll talk more about being a, a vendor a little later, but I want to know what you guys think because you you two got to walk the whole show. I did not get to do that. I was at my booth the whole time. Sunday, I just like left my booth for like 20 minutes and hit like a few spots. And I'd, I'd be like, oh, well, Hockey jerseys for only $75, and I'd stop and start looking. Be like, no, 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 got to stick to the mission because I uh, don't want to be away from my booth for too long. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so what What did you guys think? Jess, what did you think? <laughs> Considering that was your third That was trip, my third, What right? was What was your impression, your honest impression? My honest impression was I was, I was underwhelmed this year. How so? I feel like the other years, and not just national years, the vendors were more involved. There were contests and giveaways and, I mean, the big vendors, sure, they were, there were crowds and, you know, I saw sign up for this and we'll give you a t-shirt and here's a ticket. And I don't know, I just felt like 
everyone was blah this year. Now, I do think that part of that had to do with the fact that a lot of people didn't know that the show was going to happen until a couple of months ago. Because even though tables were already speculatively sold out, a lot of the bigger companies or bigger vendors were kind of like maybe not uh, as prepared as they would normally be. Like, for instance, Upper Deck didn't have a presence at the show this year. They were, um, uh, I think they were just kind of camping out with GTS distribution. Does that sound about right? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy to me. I, I felt like... Even if you weren't, you didn't know right away that this this was going to happen. You should have had something on the back burner, right? And people were so ready to come out, and everyone's so excited that that they can go places now. Mask or no mask, there's nothing really to do with it, but just that you can go places now, and people are so willing to spend money, and you know, sometimes they have extra money now because it's been nearly two years of not being able to do anything really. So, you know, they have all of this, you know, expendable money, maybe not so much, but still a little bit, you know, a little bit more pocket money than you would have had before. And I feel like these vendors could have just banked or at least made it a little more exciting and got you excited to spend money elsewhere. Now, well, when you say with... vendors, wait, when you say vendors, do you mean like the big companies? like The big tops? companies. Yes. The big companies. She's you don't necessarily mean like the, the manufacturers. Sellers. Not, no. not, the, not the individual people. No, that, she's talking uh, manufacturers yeah. mostly. And that, yeah. that's, that's one of the things that um, was the difference between me watching from a distance Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and through social media and watching everything that was unfolding. And then showing up there on Saturday thinking this is going to be something that we've never seen before. And then it was like, where's all the, where's all the excitement? Where's all mm-hmm. the, where's all the explosions in the fire and Gene Simmons coming down from the rafters with his tongue out and blood and everything. Where's all that that was going on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It didn't seem like it was there Saturday. And my biggest observation was it was kind of similar to what she said was, it was like the enthusiasm was just sucked out of the room by Saturday. It's like everybody went full bore for three days straight, and then all of a sudden, oh, we had to do this again for two more days? So I don't know what it was like on Sunday, but I know our experience on Saturday, it was just like, yeah, there were a lot of people there, but it seemed like everybody was just kind of... He he was around. showing me all these pictures from, look at all these people, you know, all the... All, all of these videos that he had. And I thought I was going to have to come in there with battle gear. And it wasn't like that at all. I feel when, like it was just as many people as it usually is. On the day we went. The day we Like went. I said. Yeah, the day Going we up into that, it was insanity. Like all the pictures and everything, just seeing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was nuts. And you were there. I'm sure you, you got it firsthand. Well, Friday, like I said. So I remember when... A lot of people would stream by my table because they were trying to get to like the autograph area or the case break pavilion or whatever. And I was on, I was right on aisle uh, 1000. And I think the one behind me is 1100. And I think that if you get in either entrance, they would both kind of point to that first aisle 1100. You walk in the front door, you move over one row, you walk forward and turn and you were right there. 
So yeah, yeah. So miss. a lot of people were doing that. They were, and they were going. It was almost like I. I this is going to sound really silly, and I'm not trying to sound poetic, but it was just like a stream of people going by my table, and like, you know, I was like messing around with other stuff, and my friend, my my colleague was like, "Hey, you need to put your display cases on the table," and I'm like, "Oh well, I'm I'm doing this other stuff right now, and I don't want to turn my back to my display cases." He's like, "No, dude, look at how many people are just walking by your table, and it's empty." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, good point." And as soon as I throw my display cases out, like people slow down and stop and look, and they'd be like, "Hey, um." I want that card. I want that card. I mean, I had mostly hockey. I did have a handful of like low end Michael Jordan cards just to put out there because, you know, sometimes you bring things and you say, well, if they say they sell, they sell and cards don't take up a lot of space. And um, that was actually a good seller for me were just some like Michael Jordan cards and, you know, no rookie cards, nothing special. We're talking just like five or ten dollar type cards. But I mean, that would get people to stop. And then, uh, you know, of course, the hockey. But yeah, Friday was the crazy day. Saturday was like a nice day. And then what I'll tell you what happened Sunday was people started packing up as early as 12. And I don't like that because the reason is, is that, well, one, it it demotivates everybody else. And then other people want to start packing up early. But I also feel bad for the people who pay to be there on Sunday and half the tables are empty by one o'clock. Now, I won't say that half the tables were empty by one o'clock, but I'll tell you this. People were packing up their booths, and there were still a lot of people at the show. It was not by any means dead. It was maybe a little less busy than Saturday, but there were still a lot of people. And honestly, like, I started packing up at about 4.30. I didn't want to pack up that early. But the, my uh, my colleague, the one who I was getting a ride with, he's like, well, I'm going to start packing up the things and we need to take down this grid wall and this, that, and the other thing. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to start slowly packing up. And I did. And I still made two last minute sales. Like I still made two sales. And I'm not just saying like one or two dollar sales. I'm not trying to brag, but I made like one sale that was like $125 and another sale that was $25. So right there is like $150 in like the last half an hour of the show. So I was still making money up until the end. So I didn't necessarily want to pack up early, but because I was getting lift with somebody else, it was like, all right, well, you know, I'll just start packing up slowly and stuff like that. But yeah, and I think part of the reason is maybe a lot of dealers did really good. And then I said, well, you know what? I've already made so much money. I can leave a couple hours early. You know, they'll be like, oh, it's going to take me 12 hours to get back home. I might as well, you know, start packing up early now. I mean, I know, um, you know, I know like one dealer that I talked to who's from uh, right around Detroit. He talks about like by the time he packs up, loads the truck, drives home, does this, that, that, and the other thing. He says he doesn't, he won't even be in bed until like two or three o'clock. And in like the November show, he'll be like, and then I got to take my kid to school the next day at 7 a.m. So sometimes they want to leave at 1.30 and not stay until 5 o'clock. But for this, I think maybe it was just that they made so much money. They just said, eh, I can afford to like leave a couple hours early. I've already made thousands of dollars. And that wouldn't surprise me in the least, considering some of the conversations we heard at various tables we walked by. You tell. What was the one that? We were standing on the one corner, and 
we just stopped for a second and we heard that guy talking about he venmoed a grand i'm gonna venmo this guy a grand i'm gonna venmo this guy a grand i gotta paypal this guy a grand yeah it was like this transaction that he was dealing with was easily four or five thousand dollars of him transferring money to various accounts wow it, it was like what was he buying oh guess what he was buying modern ultra modern stuff it was graded sodos and acunas and stuff like that baseball that people that's just so massively overproduced but graded so high that you know oh this car is seven thousand dollars really is so it really can i talk about the james bond cases now oh yeah sure you gotta that, bring it that up that blew my mind what are we talking about here the james but these Guys, the vault, these, the the vault, vault cases. The, the vault oh, cases. Hand, yeah. they were like handcuffed. Yeah, you to got him. you got to hear the story. I can't. Okay, so we walk in and he shows me those. First thing I told her, I said, "You're gonna find you 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 haven't seen it at any show we've been to, but this show you're going to find people carrying their cards around in these highly secured cases." Yes, everybody was carrying those, and I'll, let me just say yeah. this really quick. People would come up to me. I had little signs that said, I had signs on my table posted saying, buy hockey. People would come up to me and say, are you buying hockey? Which means that they weren't really seeing the signs if they were asking, which is fine. I'm glad they wanted to sell me their hockey cards. No, well, they and were I'd just say, awkward. That was the only way they could break the ice and state <laughs> the obvious when they yeah. came up to you. Well, I mean, they could point to the sign that says, it says here you're buying hockey. But anyway. Just grunt. Uh, uh, that sign there. Uh. <laughs> uh. So anyway, so they, uh, they'd say, are you buying hockey? And they'd say, yeah. And then they'd whip out the big black case. And then I'd sa- I said to them, like, I said this, I probably made this joke about 10 times. I said, well, if you're carrying one of those things around, I probably can't afford what you're selling. And they'd laugh and they'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. And then they'd pull out all these PSA 9, PSA 10, BGS 9.5, you know, just stacks of cards that, like, I can't afford. And be like, oh, what are you thinking about this one? And it'd be like $5,000. And they'd be like, yeah, that's that's what I thought. That wasn't always the case, though, uh, no pun intended. When they'd whip out that case, sometimes it would just be like $40, $50 cards. I mean, those are really nice cases, and they're secure. And, I mean, my method was I would put the cards in a box in my backpack and go around the shows and try to sell the people. But yeah, that's this what is collectors nice. do. That's huh? exactly what collectors do. And, like I, and you've already coined the term in the show, the new blood or the new breed or whatever we're going to call them. That's what I tried to tell her. I'm like, that's who's going to be walking around with these. And then in she walks, and lo and behold, there so, they are. Jess, I just hijacked your, your conversation, and I'm sorry. Please. No. Please. No, that's – well, and the other part of that was I, I get excited when I see kids there. And when we walked in, there were the, the packs that they were only selling to children. Oh, the Panini, the panini Kid Boxes. Okay. Which, which I was excited about. Oh, yeah, let's get kids excited, you know, in this industry and everything. And and then he told me the other side of it that, oh, yeah, you know, they have these people yeah, so, sending kid, children to buy them yeah. and then reselling the things. And Okay, whatever. Besides that, the other part of this box situation, the, the case thing, not only grown men, but children. Children had these cases. Where are they getting them? How are there 12-year-old boys walking around with these cases 
with thousands of dollars of cards in them. Come on, we had a book bag with like. I had my rolling backpack that I always have. <laughs> like mm -hmm. we have a hundred dollars. Where are we going to spend it? <laughs> you know, it's, it, that was crazy to me. I, I mean, I get excited when I see, you know, young people in it because how is it going to carry on if the young people aren't excited about, you know, but my goodness, these cases, they, they just blew my mind. Yeah. We were at one, we were at one booth and she's like, that guy's got a gun case. I'm like, how do you know it's a gun case? She's like, because I used to have that exact same one. <laughs> it didn't have a gun in it. It just, I just had the case. <laughs> so just, gun cases, are they cheaper than the card cases? Probably. Uh, probably, so that might... probably because uh, it looked like when the insides were like custom made to fit graded cards into, you know? Well, they're filled with foam. And the you foam, can basically, yeah. you can cut the foam to fit. And so they pull out the foam inserts yeah. so that it fits those graded cards so that they slide in upright yeah. and you can put them front to back in each of the rows. Well, as a hockey collector, if I was going to have a gun case, it would be perfect to put my young guns in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should I hit uh, the symbols behind me? Please yeah. Don't. No, okay. don't. So, yeah, the, the cases were, uh, yeah, they were everywhere. Yeah, that was um, one of the big. That was one of the big things. That, and all sizes. Yeah, and they were all different. All different types sizes. Of You're not kidding, because you know what? Somebody whipped out a little case with one card in it. It was a, it was a PSA 10 Connor McDavid young gun. But like, he's just like, I got something you might want to buy. I go, okay. And it was like, it was just a little case. It was smaller than a lunchbox. And he <laughs> opened it, and it had one card inside of it. And I'm like thinking. Man, that's like some Hope Diamond bullshit right there with like what you know, like one card. Yeah, I, I you don't totally, know. you totally expect them to open it up and this light shining the out of it. Vincent Vega case. Like, yeah, it's it's the Vincent <laughs> Vega case. It's exactly right. what it is. And right, exactly. that's what you're expecting, and then it's just well, that's pretty hard. close though. A PSA 10 Connor McDavid young gun. Um, yeah. although there are like twelve thousand of them that have the PSA 10 grade, so I don't know. If it's that rare, if there's twelve thousand of them, yeah, that's uh, we've we've talked about that before on the show. <laughs> well, I'm grateful because one thing I was like, it, it was funny because like I would send Tim a message because people would come up to me and they'd want to sell me cards for like hundreds or thousands of dollars. And some stuff I know what it's worth, some stuff I don't know. And and sometimes if it was anything over a grand, um, and I did not make a purchase anywhere near that, like any. Any purchase I made was like around $100 or so. Sometimes it was cards that I could resell. Sometimes they were cards that I just wanted to keep. But I'd like send you a message and I'd be like, hey, what do you think of this card? And you'd be like, well, yeah, it's a it's a BGS 9.5, but there's also like, you know, 6,000 of them that have that grade. So it's not that hard to find. I'm like, yeah, good point. But the other thing was, is that I was so busy, I would send you an instant message and then you'd reply right away. And then I'd reply to your reply like four hours later because or two hours later because it was just it, I was I was super busy like that was the thing like when and I that's how getting, I knew there was something up about how much traffic was coming because you know usually we have conversation we back and forth until the conversation's done right and then we move on with our lives and it was like hey here's a question okay here's the answer crickets <laughs> it's like. There must be something going on because uh, he's not responding. And you'd get back to me and be like, dude, I can't even breathe. There's so many people here. 
Friday, the it opened for VIPs at 9.30. So just to backtrack a little bit, vendors can get there as early as 8 o'clock. I get there at 9. They'd open the doors at 9.30, so I'd try to get everything unwrapped and unba- whatever by then. And then um, Friday, like from 9.30 to 3, I didn't even have a minute to think. Like I was, it was just constant. It was constant. And then it like, I stopped and then I was just like, I'm hungry and I have to pee. And I haven't checked my text messages in five hours. <laughs> you know? It was just like, it all hit me at once. Cause it was just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. just every, you know, like I went to bed that night and my mind was still going like 90 miles an hour. Like, like I, I still felt like I was in, a crowded environment, even though I was alone in my room at night, it just, I still had that kind of like that feeling, you know, that feeling that you'd get when you'd work like 14 hours at your retail job that, you know, two nights before Christmas and you'd go home at night and you're still feeling that that's what it felt like. You're nodding. Yes, Jess. I think you can relate to this somehow. Well, that's like when we have a show, when we have a, when we, when we play out. Yeah. When you're, when you do a concert. Yeah. Yeah. For the, for those that may not know, we my wife and I are in a band together. Just if there's listeners that don't know that, and she's a singer and I play bass, and we have two other guys and we play rock and roll. And there you go. So this isn't this is not a rock and roll show. This is a hockey show. So yes, so, we do we do know what you mean by yeah, that. <laughs> the adrenaline keeps going, and yeah. you're still thinking about stuff, and you know you're just fired up, and yeah, we get it. Okay. Yeah. I guess you would get it. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's good to know. I will tell uh, you this. You tell. You know, for as many people as you had Friday and like for it to die off, not die off, but to be less people there Saturday, that's not to say that there wasn't anybody there. Um, the center where all of the vendors were um, by vendors, meaning manufacturers and the big resellers like your steel cities, your DNA, yeah. Marty's, um, you know, Chicago land sports. Packed. That area was, that's where everybody was, it seemed like, most of the time. They were just jammed in that small center area. And walking up and down those aisles was, like, very difficult, trying to get maneuver yourself back and forth between. But when you got back in the corners, because you know how the way the convention center is set up, there's sections that are offset and set to the back. So you'll have one section on the left side that kind of cuts into the back and then the wall juts out where the freight or the, uh, the loading docks are. Mm -hmm. And then just past the loading docks, there's another set that kind of slides to the back a little bit back in those areas where all the regular car dealers were and the tables were set up. You could easily walk around back in there. And same thing with the far right hand side, um, over past the tops booth, past the red carpeting that nobody knows how to walk on. Um, (laughs) including me. (laughs) um yeah so once you got past there that whole area i mean you could you could maneuver there but that just that center area is just so congested because that's where everybody is and i can only imagine if upper deck would have been there doing some of the things that they normally would do i i mean you could barely get through now it would have been even worse but you know again going back to what we were talking about Maybe they had all these events, you know, maybe they had all these massive box breaks and, you know, out there on the floor and 
you know, raffles and giveaways and all that kind of stuff. Pristine Auctions was always running something. So there was always a glut of people there with their little mascot bobblehead guy. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what his name is, but we have his autograph from like a couple years ago, um, by the way. Um, But, you know, that booth there and there was one other booth that was popping off stuff too. I think it was another auction, uh, another auction place. But other than that, it was kind of, it seemed like it was kind of quiet on Saturday as far as events and stuff like that go. We didn't even make it over to the main stage area until close to the end. And by that time, it was um, my buddy sports card investor up on stage with a little kid doing like a pack war or something like that. But uh, so I got, I unfortunately missed, we missed out on the whole upper deck unveiling of all their new secret stuff that they decided to throw out there um but you know what are you you gonna do we never found chris either i I kept looking for him chris carlin yeah we never found him she i really wanted to meet him she wanted to meet him in person to thank him for yeah well tell 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 that story again because uh you're both here so we could hear both sides of the story yeah let's hear your side of the story of how i have my own trading card yes what was your side? My side. Um, I came home one day and you showed me that, look, what Upper Deck is doing. Um, I'm putting I'm putting your name in this. Look what I nominated look, you yeah, for. Yeah, look what I nominated you for. It's like, oh, okay. Just, nobody knows me. It doesn't really matter. And then the next thing you know, I had a zillion <laughs> nominations. Yeah. Because you guys know people. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I just nominated her. If, if uh, people don't know what we're talking about, the Upper Deck last year did a program with their Genuine Heroes through their Goodwin Champions. And they always would do like a, a theme set. So Goodwin Champions would have like an insert set of military heroes uh, or uh, first responder type people. Uh, that kind of thing, and they decided to do uh, one for the COVID with all the people that were frontline workers and involved with um, the whole COVID effort in the beginning. In the heart of COVID. Yeah, basically in the mm-hmm. when all of it was hot and heavy in the beginning. And she got picked. And part of that was uh, she got a, a Upper Deck Random Act of Kindness box along with being put on her own trading card. So I could send you I could send you a picture of it if you don't already have Sadly, it. Sadly there wasn't a the booth page. there for me to, you know, yeah. sign autographs or anything, but yeah. that's okay. That's we okay. could make that happen next time. Yeah. <laughs> we can. I mean next pandemic. No, no, you know? no, stop. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that next pandemic. Well, yeah. at any rate I did I did want to meet him and and thank him for that because that really was that was an awesome experience and we have it up on the wall here right now. I'm looking at my big old face. I, it's pretty cool to have my own trading card, plus that really awesome box of of goodies that he sent me. So that was really nice of Upper Deck to do that whole thing for um, everyone that got picked and you know everyone that put their efforts toward ending this pandemic. Yeah, well, not quite over yet, is it? No, but you know, I know what efforts, you mean. Efforts are genuine. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, 
You know, one thing I will say, as long as we're on the topic of pandemic, is I remember um, stopping to read the sign uh, on the on the convention center door, and it it basically said, if you are vaccinated, then you don't have to wear a mask. If you are not vaccinated, it is strongly suggested that you wear a mask. And I was just like thinking, wow, can you be any more wimpy about this? Like it was like, well, if you if you're not vaccinated, we would really like it if you'd consider maybe thinking about the possibility of perhaps thinking about wearing a mask. I mean, if you want to. Right. I mean, it, it could have been worded like that because that's just how it read. It was just so it was just so wimpy. I mean, um, and, and it's well, without the mandates, it's it's hard to do that. And. You know, the other thing, too, it's I mean, it boils down to not to get into the philosophical or political part of it, but right. it boils down to your opinion and whatever your opinion is and what your choice is. That's what you're going to make. You know, us, we walked around the entire show. We wore masks the whole time. We were yes. Masked. And she can testify to the fact that <laughs> he I, hated every I, second of it. But I barely uh, I barely ever took my nope. mask off, except like maybe when I took a couple drinks of water or something. And I never do that. Like I'm always like pulling it off, and I'm like, oh, I hate this thing. And because I have a, I have facial hair. I have a beard, right. and it's itchy and it scratches, and I get sick of breathing my own breath, and you know, it bugs me. But I, I actually wore it the whole time. I was shocked. I was proud of myself, actually. <laughs> I, uh, you know, a couple shows ago, maybe our last show. I can't remember. It's been a couple weeks ago, anyway. Between now and our last show. Um, you said how you, you you two were going to go to the show and you were going to mask. And that got me thinking. And I said, yeah, I'm going to mask too. I mean, yeah, that just makes sense, right? I mean, uh, I mean, if a nurse feels like we should mask, I, I'm going to agree with the nurse. And uh, then I thought to myself, hey, I should make uh, puck junk masks. And so I, I made just a small batch of like 50 of them. I didn't even pass them all out. I, I actually, I forgot that I had them. And like a lot of times, like people would like buy stuff, but they weren't wearing masks. And then I felt kind of awkward. Like I didn't want to like give them a mask yeah. and be like, oh, here's, here's, here's a-, a mask. Put this on or I'm not selling you this card. Right. Like I didn't want to like, I mean, here's the messed up thing. Is that like if you give somebody a T-shirt, there's no way they could be offended by that unless it's like too small for them or something. What but too big? Or too big, right? But if. There's gray like, area. Well, not really, though, with the T-shirt. I mean, but, like, with the mask, I feel like I didn't – this is going to sound weird. I didn't want to insult anybody, right? So somebody bought a T-shirt, and they were wearing a mask, or if they bought some cards for me and they were wearing a mask, I'd give them a puck junk mask because I knew how they felt about it, right? You know what I mean? And if they weren't wearing a mask, sometimes – I would throw in a mask and I'd just say, oh, I'm including this free mask. And I'd toss it in the bag and they'd be like, oh, thank you. Not like, oh, you and your stupid masks, sheeple. You know what I mean? They were, they were. I mean, Jeez. if they're buying a, a hockey card wrapper t-shirt with like a bright, colorful illustration, they're probably a pretty fun, easygoing person, I think. You know what I mean? So they weren't going to get offended by like, Oh, you're giving me a mask. What kind of political statement are you making with that? No, no political statement. I just want you to advertise my website on your face. <laughs> I see your point there, but I think we're we're too far into this for anyone to be offended by masks at this point. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be pretty far left for that and far right and one way or the other. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Like no. I said, it's, it's a choice and people yep. made it. And that was one thing I noticed is the first couple of days, rarely saw pictures or video or anything of people wearing masks. And then the day we got there, yeah, there was quite lots a few. Of, lots of people had them on. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. So it was like it was really weird. But one big thing that we haven't touched on yet is yes. the thing that I noticed every single day, and that was those those people that uh, follow us and listen to our show, and you know we're connected to on social media that we're at the show. We're just constantly posting anything but hockey. Mm-hmm. Can't find hockey. Anybody find hockey? There's no hockey. No one has hockey. And so this whole week I'm building up to this. And I don't want to go there and just not have anything to look at, nothing interesting and any of this kind of stuff. And by the time Friday rolled around, I'm like, you know what? Saturday morning, I'm bound to determined to prove everybody in Twitterverse wrong that there's no hockey at this show. And... You know, there was I, more hockey than expected. There was more there Not a lot, than but it more seemed than expected. Like. Yeah, there was more there than it seemed like. And here's and we've talked about this before. The expo, the Toronto Expo, it's it's the exact opposite of the national. There's 80% hockey and 20% everything else. Whereas here it's 90% everything else and 10% hockey. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you gotta look for that 10%. So if you weren't looking for the 10%, you probably weren't seeing it because it wasn't out in all the cases with all of the PSA 10s and the BGS 9.5s. And it wasn't stuck with all of the, you know, Giannis cards and um, Acunas and, and Mike Trout rookie cards. That was what everybody wanted. Because, yeah, it's not – I mean, we – we don't lie about anything like that here. It's hockey's not as popular of if you look at the four major sports. And in fact, some people wouldn't even consider it one of the four anymore. They would put soccer ahead of it. It makes the hunt so much more fun. But that's exactly it. That's what made it more fun to go around and be like, okay, we're going to find, I am bound to determine to find this. And sure, you'd go to booth, look at other than the puck junk booth, which was basically all hockey. I mean, that was number one on our list, and we found it. And lo and behold, there's all this hockey. Great. So we can check that one off. You'd go to the next booth, and you'd look around. Don't see anything. Go to the next booth. They have a case full of everything graded. Oh, there's a Gretzky rookie in there. It might have been their only hockey card, mm-hmm. but there was a Gretzky rookie in that case. Okay. Maybe not that. We're looking for something substantial. All on the main floor, you probably wouldn't find it. That first section where you where you were at, in that whole first run down the front, barely found anything. And if we did, it was the one-offs. Like, oh, they have a Connor McDavid young gun in there. Or there's a Gretzky and a Lemieux rookie in that case. That's how it was along the front. When we got to those back sections and those back corners, that's where we found it all. Mm. It was all on the tables. It was in the quarter boxes. It was in the dollar boxes. It was out on the tables. Or it was, like, mixed in with everything else. And so we okay. probably, yeah, we probably found at least a dozen, if not more, tables that had an, a, a what I would consider a substantial amount 
It's just you have to be willing to look for it. And that's the thing. If you go there for one day or even half a day, you're not going to make it through the whole place. If you're trying to see everything, mm-hmm. you're going to miss entire sections of this floor. And maybe that's where the stuff is. And that's the thing. You don't know that. And you could you could get as many maps as you wanted of that floor with the numbers of the booths. If you didn't know that specifically, you know, Billy Bob's sports cards at booth 808 carried hockey cards, you would never know because none of that was listed on those vendor lists. Mm-hmm. So you would go through and you could find you could find where everybody was. If you didn't know what they were selling, then it was you still had to search. So right. But we found plenty that we were able to look through and and you know come up with some pretty cool stuff that we or were able was, to, to get. I see you have hockey t-shirts on. Let me show you my three hockey cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. People would specifically like call you out. You're like, I've got oh. something for you. <laughs> yeah, like so like, you guys like hockey? Or like, no, what gives you that idea? <laughs> like, oh, I've got these. And he they'd throw out like there's two cards. That's all they have. <laughs> they just really desperately want to get rid of them because no one's asking for them. But so like I said, it's there. You had to hunt for it. It was a treasure hunt. So and, and I know you didn't that... get the you probably didn't get to walk the floor no. as much at all. So you didn't really get that get that case. But we walked we walked the entire floor. We went up every aisle. We at least gave a peek to pretty much every tail. And we were pretty we were flying through there. So a lot of the booths we didn't spend a lot of time at. But if there was a box or something that looked like it had hockey cards in it, we'd at least stop and peruse and go through it. So well, uh, so because the border was closed or because there was border, I mean, they've eased the restrictions, but there are still uh, restrictions between the United States and Canada. So oh, yeah, there were no Canadian vendors there. There were no Canadian vendors there. So uh, there were there was no other like major, I'm going to just say no other major hockey sellers there. But at the same time, there were not a lot of hockey buyers there. I mean, one gentleman who bought a set off of me, he was from Vancouver, um, and he was already, I mean, he he spent some time in Boston, so it wasn't like he just came to the National. He went from Vancouver to Boston, vacationed there for a little bit, then came to Chicago, and, um, you know, was excited that I had hockey cards, especially like 70s hockey cards. Um, but a lot of people come to me and say, you're the only booth that sells hockey and um i might have been the only booth that had mostly hockey i mean would you agree with that or were there other booths that had a lot let that were like 70 percent or more hockey no that's fair that's a fair statement so i would then i'm gonna just say that i was the only really person the only hockey specialist there um as far as somebody with a booth yeah but, you know, what's funny is, like, when I used to do shows in the 90s, that's what it was like, is that, like, nine out of ten people would walk by my tables, and then, like, the tenth person would be like, oh, man, hockey, and they'd stop and they'd spend 50 bucks, which was a lot of money back in 1993, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so it, it was just, for me, it was just having the right, having the right stuff for certain people. Like, you, you can't make everybody happy, and I feel like if you try to do too much, like, um, if you try to do too much, 
Um, you don't do any of it really well. But I get as a sports car dealer why you have to do that. Maybe you want to make most of the people happy most of the time, and that's fine. The thing is that, like, even, like, when people came up to me and they'd say, like, um, like it was funny because, like, one guy's like, hey, are you buying any cards? I'm like, what do you got? He's like, I got basketball. And I said, oh, no, man, I'm sorry. I was like, I, I, I couldn't even – I don't even know where to start with basketball. Like I said, I, I you, you could show me a 2003 LeBron rookie, and he's like, well, 2002, actually. And I'm like, see, you've proved my point. I don't even know what year LeBron's rookie card is, right? Like right. I said, but if you had hockey cards, I, I totally know that, right? Like so I kind of like – it's almost like stay in your lane. So I just kind of pretty much stayed in my lane – and um, I did pretty good in my lane. Like, so just some of the, I'll tell you just some of the, the, the things that I sold without getting too specific, mainly new players. Like, people really wanted new cards. Like, most of the people who bought hockey from me wanted cards of current players. They had very little interest in old players other than, like, Gretzky, who's kind of just, you know, he's evergreen you know he's he's always going to be in demand um but what was funny was that sometimes retired retired players hall of famers stuff like that unless it was a big name like a gretzky or a lemieux or patrick waugh probably people just walked away correct and you know i did sell um i did sell a couple of gretzky and lemieux cards that were not rookie cards but they were like decent enough cards that people would want them um this is funny uh, like I would sell card. Like if I if I sold a card and I had multiples of it, I would like pull one the next night to sell. Uh, uh, you know, like so. Like I remember, like the first day of the show, I sold an OPC Sergey Fedorov uh, rookie card from from the uh, Russian Army Red Army insert set. I, I had it in the case. Somebody bought it, and so then the next day, I grabbed another one, threw it in the case. Somebody bought it. Same with Bob Probert. I had a Bob Probert rookie card. What's a Bob Probert rookie card worth? Eh, about five bucks. Put it in a case for five bucks. Somebody bought it. Put another one in a case for the, uh, uh, the next day. Somebody bought it. It was just funny. And then another card that sold that I sold two copies of were the um, 1983 Greatest Olympic Heroes cards of Mike Ruzioni. Put it in the case huh. for five, five bucks. Somebody sold, bought it. And then I put another one in a case and somebody bought it. And both times, the people were like, I never knew they made a card of Mike Ruzioni. And I'm like, yeah, well, they made a lot of cards of his since 1995. I said, but this is his earliest card. This only came out a couple of years after the Miracle on Ice. So, um, and then another thing that I sold that was kind of unique. I mean, I sold a lot of hockey, but I'm just giving you some of the highlights because, I mean, okay, Connor McDavid insert card sold. I mean, of course they're going to sell. It's Connor McDavid. But like, I had a Vladislav Tretiak sticker from 1979. And somebody was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. And they bought it. They just like they were just like, I didn't know this existed. So it kind of made me happy that I was able to bring like really weird niche stuff that I would know about and that I would think like, this is really cool. This is a this is a set of international stickers from 1979, and this is the earliest North American uh, collectible. It's not a hockey card, but I mean, Tretiak's a legend, right? But what's his, what was his first card? It was in 91-92 Future Trends Team Canada, right? This sticker is from 1979, and it was sold in Canada, so it's I consider it a North American release. I don't know if it was sold in the U.S., but 
He had tons of Russian postcards in the 70s, but those don't really show up here too often. So uh, the point is, is that that's just like, that was the kind of stuff like, I guess in a way it was cool that the stuff that would impress people like, wow, that's really odd. I never knew that existed, that it would sell and not be just people being, huh, old sticker, whatever, <laughs> and walk away from it, you know? It's funny you bring up that Aruzioni card because what's yeah. the one card I pointed at in the case? And I said, I want that set, but I really want that card and I'll have it someday. <laughs> and it was, it was that Aruzioni that was sitting in there. I don't know why I don't have that. I've always wanted that one. I just never, I've seen it before. I just have never gotten it. I don't know why. But. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just, I guess that's just the kind of stuff that I, I like to, uh, you know, I, I wanted to bring some weird stuff, but honestly, the weird stuff that's going to maybe appeal to one out of every 10 hockey collectors. Well, and that's exactly the point, though, of this, this, the object of the exercise in this conversation that we're having is, you know, we were shoppers and we were walking around as collectors trying to collect you know you were a collector but you set up to be a seller for a day or five days where you're not normally you're not a card shop you know mm -hmm. you don't have a, a car brick and mortar card shop business <laughs> or even an online one really no and it's like so what do you do I'm, i want to sell some cards i want to unload some inventory what do i do Okay, I'm going to bring this, this, and this, because I think it would be cool. But is other people going to think it's cool? And here's the reality. You were the one that had the most exclusive hockey. I mean, yeah, there might have been other people there that had more hockey than you had. But the more hockey that they had was a fraction, a mere fraction of what they had total. Right. And so... You know, that's what you saw throughout this thing. And the vast majority of it was an afterthought. You know, you'd go to a table that had mixed sports. Where was the hockey? Very last box. And it was in one box. Oh, or it wasn't even marked. And it said other. Yeah. Other sports. Other, and it was in yeah. the other sports box. So, yeah, we were able to find it. But we had to search for it. Whereas yours was all hockey. So when you bring up that I brought this card and somebody bought it. And I brought this card and somebody bought it. Yeah. The, the dealers that are there making money because this is what they do for a living, they're not selling that kind of stuff. They may have it in their own collections or in their store way back wherever they came from, but they're not bringing it to a show like that. They're looking up what's hot, what's selling, what are people drooling over right now, and we're going to pack our shelves and, and our display cases full of that stuff. And that's that's really what you saw at this show more than anything else is this vast, vast amount of ultra modern cards, stuff that was made in 21, 20, 19, I'd even say 18, in the last four years. And I can't believe how much retail was for sale oh. by hobby dealers. Oh. Retail packs, retail boxes. Yeah. Just so why do much you... retail. For two to three times as much as what they would normally sell sold at a retail shop. But to make matters worse, there were blaster boxes of product selling for more than the hobby boxes. Mm -hmm. More. Hmm. Tell me why. You tell me why. I, I want somebody to tell me why. I don't have an answer, but I want to know what Jess was groaning about because because uh, well, I, I think you have have an opinion on this too. 
because well i mean i'm i'm fairly new to all of this just in the you know since i mean serious in the last less than 10 years you know well, five years so, i still think is pretty i'd say you're pretty seasoned by then yeah I mean, I'm nowhere near where you guys are, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So I'm okay. still learning. There's always Fair. something to learn. Fair. That blew my mind. It, the prices blew my mind this year on everything. Mm -hmm. Those blaster boxes were like, come on. I mean, it said 19.95 on the box. Yeah, it says 19.99 on the box. They have a sticker for $45, for 45, you know. 55, what is that? 75. But and I said, my goodness, we can go to Target and buy those. No, well, you can't. No, not really. No, you can't. I forget about that sometimes. No, you can't go to Target it's or Walmart or buy any of that stuff anymore. It's starting to slowly trickle back in, but. But it wasn't just those that had the prices were crazy to me. Even the really old. I don't. I don't want to say garbage. That's rude. But like, the off-color stuff, the the non-sports things. The garbage pail kids. Oh yeah. Two thousand dollars for you know it was crazy. For it current was, or for old? I mean, it, it was. I think it was an older it, set. But it wasn't that old. It wasn't like I found it in the basement. You know, from nineteen eighty. It it wasn't that old. Because I I like garbage pail kids. So no. Still. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like Gen One. No. Still, mm -hmm. Not at all. It was. It was other. More recent, the more recent top stuff. But that just goes back it. to what I said before that people were there to spend money, and I just felt like it was. I don't know. There could have been more going on to spend money. From somebody who claims that they're not experienced in the whole thing, that's a fair observation to make. So I want to give a couple of quick shout outs to some people who did stop by my uh, my booth. Now, of course, you two guys. You two stopped at my booth on Saturday and hung out. I'm uh, I'm upset that we didn't get a picture together. I sh I could ask somebody to take our picture. I was like, after you had left, I was like, I didn't get a picture with my friends, and I hadn't seen you guys in like year and a half. I I don't think I've seen you since. I don't even think I saw you in 2019. I think the last time I saw you guys was at one of your shows I went to. Yeah, probably. Probably like in person. Yeah. In yeah. person, yeah, one of your shows. Um, because I know you didn't come to the November 2019 card show at, at uh, Rosemont. No, the one you set up with where you had the shirts the first time, we weren't. Yes. There. We couldn't go. I don't remember why, but we couldn't go. Well, so I just want to give uh, a couple of quick shout outs. Uh, first, I'd like to give a shout out to Justin Zhang of Zangapang Cards, who is on Instagram at Zangapang Cards. He gave me a really nice Ryan Nugent Hopkins autographed card, and he just... He stopped by my table really quick, and he said, Sal, love the podcast, love what you guys do, just want to give you this card. And I'm just like, oh, cool, Ryan Nugent Hopkins autograph. I don't have one. So that was nice. I was like, hey, somebody brought me something and, and a, a gift, and I'm, you know, that makes me happy. I said, that's cool. It is, it is, yeah, it's, it, it's nice. I, I, I was cool. flattered by that. Anytime and, somebody reaches out and says that they listen to the show, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Yeah, like another another dude named Arthur. He's like, oh, I listened to the show. I'm like, oh, do I follow you on Twitter? He's like, I don't think so. I'm like, oh, I'm going to fix that right now. And I whipped out the phone and I followed him on Twitter. Um, and then uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Zachary Souf, uh, he has a, a YouTube channel called Zach's Hockey Box. 
So uh, I check. I want you to all check that out. Zach's Hockey Box uh, on YouTube. Um, and there's my buddy Mark Petrie from Trees Collectibles who does uh, breaks and he sells hockey cards. Nice guy, honest guy. Um, has a cute little daughter who likes Tom Wilson for some reason, but uh, we won't talk oh. anything. Over. Yeah, I, I don't know. I remember Trees was like, somebody sent his daughter a Tom Wilson Capitals jersey and she's wearing it and it's like down to her knees because she's like six years old. It looks like a dress on her. And I'm like, nice jersey, but really Tom Wilson? Is this because she likes Oscar the Grouch? Could be, because he lives in a trash can. This is true. Greg McLaughlin from the <laughs> Rebel Base Card Podcast. Now, that's a podcast about Star Wars trading cards. Um, and then, of course, Jeff Baker from the TTM Podcast. And I was a guest on his show, like, way back in January. He dropped by my booth. Oh, Jeff was there? Jeff see. was there. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to get too much into this, because um, Jeff... Uh, was in a wheelchair. He had emergency foot surgery on Wednesday. And oh. the only day he could, he was in Chicago and he had to have emergency surgery on his foot. And so then the only day he could go to the show was Sunday. And I'm just like, oh man, I am so sorry to hear that. I mean, could you imagine traveling to the national and you're like ready to go and then something happens and then all, now you, not only do you have to get foot surgery, but then you miss Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then on Sunday, he's in a wheelchair and his wife's pushing him around and he's trying to like do everything he can, not only on Sunday, but he couldn't even stay for the whole show because he had a, they had a flight to catch. So, um, but he was, he dropped by my booth like right early first thing, as soon as the show opened. So uh, he dropped by and it was nice to talk to him for a few minutes, um, especially considering that he had to, he had a lot of rounds to make. Yeah, I bet. And then I'll tell you a couple of quick stories, just because uh, you mentioned just um, a couple of stories. You know, like, it's funny because, like, sometimes people will be like, is this the best you could do on a card? And they'd hold it up, and it would be like $5. And they'd be like, it's $5. You know what I mean? Like, spend a 1000 and we'll talk, right? But, like, I don't know. I just, uh, usually if a card was, like, worth, like, lodge sale. Five to ten, I'd like put it well, at. People uh, treat it like it is. That's the thing. <laughs> a little bit. But see, here's the weird thing. Some people would be like, "Oh, five dollars is too much because it's four fifty on eBay," or they'd be like, "This is a four dollar card on eBay," and I'd say, "Well, yeah, but when you pay tax and shipping, it's now an eight dollar card," and they'd be like, "Oh, good point," and then they'd buy it for five, or they would just walk away. But then somebody else would be like, "Oh man, you have this card. Thank you. I love this player," and then they would just buy it, and they'd be like super happy. Like, somebody purchased a Linus Olmark MVP black card that was numbered out of five, and I think I had it tagged at, like, $10, and they were just like, oh, awesome, and they bought it. You know, it, like, made them super happy that they found that card. I mean, especially since it was numbered out of five, and I think 10 bucks was fair. They thought 10 bucks was great. Everybody's happy. So not everybody complained about the price. But one thing I will tell you, actually, was, most people— Was it actually it, Linus Olmark that bought the card himself? <laughs> Because I don't know anybody else that would be interested in something like that. No, maybe no. his mom or dad, maybe. I don't know. So I'll tell you this, though. Here's another thing. Two things that were ubiquitous. One was the black James Bond case, as you say. Uh, as you that's call a, it, that's yes. a big word there, Sal. So, I love it. You might have to actually, people are going to be looking that up going, what does that mean? I gotta... I'll be sure to link to it in the comments. Um, <laughs> the, the, to dictionary.com, entry for ubiquitous. Um but the other thing is, is that 
a lot of attendees just had their face in their phone and they were constantly scanning eBay to see what the cards were selling for. And it was funny because they'd be like, can I see that card? And be like, oh yeah, here you go. It opened up the case, hand them the card. They'd look at the card. And then the other hand, they got their phone and they're scrolling eBay. Now, I will say I have done this before. Never at a dealer's table. In fact, I think sometimes I'd like go to the bathroom, go in a stall, pretend I'm doing my business, but really I'm on eBay looking up to see how much that Alex Del Vecchio uh, rookie card is selling for on eBay and then deciding if I want to buy it from that dealer. Or Actually, with vintage, it's um, a crapshoot, no pun intended, um, because the condition is everything. And the card that you see at the sh- at the show might be nicer than the one that you see on eBay. But for new cards... I mean, they're all pretty much near mint or better at that point. I mean, sometimes well, we, noticed, we noticed that too. Yeah. And, and that's very the thing is just like, I used to be very like, I don't want to say sly about it, but I wouldn't like be looking up card prices in front of the dealer at their table. I would walk away and then I would do it just to kind of get an idea because sometimes I'd look and I'd say, Oh, they want $50 for that card. And then I look online and it's selling for like $20, $22. And I'm like, I can hold off. And other times I'd be selling for $40, $50. And I'd be like, I just want to buy it here. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna agonize over $4 or $5 or $8 if I could just have it now and don't have to like pay to ship it and whatnot. We do that fairly frequently at our LCS. Really? We'll go in and we'll I mean, hockey's, again, just like anywhere else, it's limited. So we'll go and we'll look and we'll see, oh, he's selling whatever for whatever. And while we're talking and chatting, I'll I'll pull up real quick just to see what they're going for. And, yeah, sometimes they're more, sometimes they're less. If they're more, they're never that much more. Mm-hmm. They're usually, what, a few bucks maybe here and, and we're there. willing to spend that. And we're willing to spend that. For our local, yeah. you know. Yes. It's a local store. You're going to keep them in business. I've been a I've been going there for years and years and years. And guess what? I could order it online, have to wait for it, maybe pay for shipping, all of that. Or I can just pay the extra couple bucks, grab it off the shelf, open it right spanking now if I want to. Yeah. You know, so it's it's just a done and over with thing. That's why I always say that eBay argument, well, eBay's got it for this. eBay's got it for this. Okay, fine. Buy it off of eBay then. I mean, what, what, what? Thanks for coming. What do you, what do you want me to say? Yeah, <laughs> buy it off of eBay. Wait for it. Have it shipped. You know, get ticked off and like when you, when it comes and it's bent in half, then you you know send the seller a message and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, my three year old accidentally bought this." I mean, I mean, you know, or you could just buy it now and pay the extra dollar. Well, and. It- thing is is that i didn't want to like i i never wanted to be rude like that like i i I remember there was a a card shop i used to go to in the 90s and the owner was really rude i mean he was just really rude to everybody and he had a sign in his store that said if you saw it cheaper somewhere else buy it there fair enough (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I still think that's really rude. That, it's, that it's, just, a, it's a rude sign, but he's got a point. He's got a point, but it's just it's it's just basically was just I don't know. I, I never wanted to be that way. Like in fact, like that guy was such a jerk 
this one dealer way back in the 90s, and I used to go to a store because he was one of the only card shops. And then there were a few other card shops that I went to, and they had, like, cool dealers. But, like... There's um, a way you can say that to yeah. people, though, without sounding like an a-hole, you know? So, I mean, one thing was that I always learned, like, I learned to be patient. Like, especially, like, my first job was at a card and comic book store. And I was 16, and I was maybe a little bit older than a lot of the customers. So I'd always be patient with the kids because I was just a couple years older than them. And they knew what it was like to be a kid and have six bucks in your pocket. And you want to see this, and you want to see that, and you want to see this. And you just, you're, you're trying to make the decision of, like, what's the best thing I could buy with my $6? Because... I might not get another $6 for a while. I get that. So like as a seller, I am all, I always tried to be respectful and I don't want to be like, we'll just buy it on eBay then. Like, I didn't want to say that, but I would no, just. But like I said, you can say that without saying it. You yes. Know? Especially I mean, when the guy that's trying to knock, you know, three bucks off of a $10 card and then you finally say, okay, fine. And he starts peeling off hundred dollar bills off of a roll. Yeah. And then you're thinking in your head, son of a. <laughs> yeah. Know? Right. To the local card shops. We drive yeah. farther, farther to go to the one because the one is cool. The other one is like that where you pull the roll out. It's yeah. cheaper, but they're douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those that listen to our show frequently know which one she's talking about. So um, I'd rather go and chill out and have a nice conversation and talk shop and pay a couple bucks and have that person in business than corporate, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can totally relate to that. Um, you know, one thing I'll tell you, though, is that it is hard to be a seller. And like, Tim, you pointed this out and never really, I just didn't really, I didn't really think about this. Like, I don't have a store and I haven't really sold cards in over a decade. So yeah, it's not a regular activity. Not only did I have to pull all these cards, research them and price them, and research was important because I look at this and go, oh, this has got to be a $10 card, right? And I look it up and it's like a $4 card. And I'm like, oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, it just like it was just, it, it was a little uh, disheartening to see like the cards that I thought had value really didn't have a lot of value. But I still put them, you know, tag them at like five bucks and quite a few of them sold because, you know, I mean, okay, maybe it is a low end Gabriel Landeskog MVP rookie card, but it's still Gabriel Landeskog, right? I mean, it's it's still a rookie card. It's just not his young gun, right? Uh, but it, it's current it player, was, captain of his team, signed a big contract, asset. I mean, yeah. So it's it's hard and it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun because I, I don't know, like. Even like uh, with my ex-girlfriend, she's she's an artist or she was an artist when we were together and she would sell her work at like art fairs and street fairs and stuff like that. And I just loved the setting up and displaying things and people walk over and, oh, what do you like? What you looking for? You know, let me tell you about this painting. Like, I just, I loved that, you know, same thing with like, oh, let me tell you about this Ladislav Tretiak sticker. Notice that his name is spelled different than how it was spelled later on. You know, it's, I, I this like is one of the big reasons why it's hard for a collector to become a seller, a, a true collector. And I know that, that, that phrase gets a lot of controversy these days. But a true collector collects, right? And you hang on to your collection. You keep your collection. Your collection builds, and it may evolve over time. 
but you're collecting. Yes. And 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 sometimes, yeah, you get stuff that you don't want. It doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't have a story behind it. It's not something you actively go after. Sure, you might sell it or trade it away for something that you do want. But for the most part, you're a collector and you're collecting. So the stories that you tell about these cards, whether they're a sticker or not, you have a story a behind story. it. There's always a story. And you have that story that you can talk about the story. And that makes the card worth more. And I know most people are looking for a deal and they're looking for this and that and the other and could care less about that. But a collector's going to want to hear that story and a collector's going to appreciate that story because that's what we do. Right. There's something behind it. Um, so that being said, I was up very late every night because I'd come home, pull more cards to sell, price research them, price them. I mean, each night I was only getting like three to five hours of sleep. It was not good. Nah, maybe four hours of sleep, four or five hours a night, but still not not, not that good. many. Jeez. Yeah, I'd sometimes I'd be in bed at like three and I'd get up at seven. I mean, it was just like, um, like, and you know, and the other thing like too is that like, days. as the show wore on, like by Sunday I was just ready for the show to be over. But by like Saturday night or Friday night, I really had a good feel for like what to what to what to replenish and what not to replenish. Like, oh, this thing sold, but I don't necessarily need to bring another one because people weren't really looking for this, but they're looking for this other thing. You know, I'd go through like you know more current players and I'd pull like decent cards of like current players and I'm like oh, I could part with these and then like those would sell. Like so, you get you start to get a feel and like with the five day show. You you know Monday or Monday Tuesday uh, Wednesday Thursday you can really get a feel for like you know what what people are after but then again there's there's people who are gonna like just totally buck your expectations like I had this old flyer it was a season ticket order form that pictured Michael Jordan it was from 1986 it was back when the NBA did something called the NBA Mall Tour. They, they would, like, be in malls. And I remember the Chicago Bulls having a table at the Brickyard Mall in 1986, and they were giving um, giving away posters of um, George the Iceman Gervin, who was, like, the star player, even though Jordan was a rookie at the time or, like, it was around the time he was a young player. Like, Gervin was, like, their, their top guy, and John Paxson was, like, a young player on the team. And, like, they were giving away, like, these Chicago Bulls posters. None of them had Jordan because they weren't really heavily marketing him yet. But they were, they had like this flyer that said he's back, and it had Michael Jordan slam dunking, and it was like you know join us for the eighty six eighty seven season and watch Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, and it had like a coupon for like to, to or coupon like an order form for season tickets, and it's just like one of those weird things that I hung on to all these years, and I brought it to the show, and the last day it sold. It, it just it just you know somebody was like that is so cool. I've never seen that before, and he was like just super happy to get something Michael Jordan that he that he not only did he not have it, he didn't even know it existed, which probably means that like none of his Jordan collecting buddies had it either, and so that made his day. And like even though I had it all these years, and I was just like, oh, this is cool to have, right? At the same time, it was cool to make money off of it, but then also get it to somebody who would really really appreciate it. And that's part of that's part of the collector mind frame is 
it may not be part of your collection or fit in your collection, but you probably know somebody that it would. And if it's sitting there somewhere with somebody that doesn't appreciate it, if you can get it into the hands of somebody that will, you know, that puts a smile on your face and their face. Now, I will tell you one story. Now, I don't, I, I don't want to speak ill of anybody who was at my booth. Oh, why um, not? Well, it's fun though. It's over now. <laughs> it, well, because they're probably listening to this show. I gave away over four hundred business cards promoting the podcast. Dang. But I don't think this guy's listening to the show, and also he didn't buy anything. But he did. He did take up a significant portion of my time on Sunday. This guy had to be a crackhead, and I don't mean a Seattle Kraken <laughs> fan. I think like an actual crackhead, because he was like a skinny dude. And I can't remember what shirt. It wasn't a tie-dye shirt, but it was it, it kind of looked like a like kind of like a black tie-dye kind of shirt, almost like a not like a Von Dutch shirt, but just kind of like I, I don't I don't know, a douchey kind of shirt. Does that make sense? Kind of. Was he, it an affliction shirt? I, I don't know. And then and then he had like he had like a hat, but he didn't like curve the brim. The brim was straight on his baseball style hat. And it still had the sticker on it. It did. Yeah, it had a sticker on the brim. I don't even know this guy, and I know this guy. Yeah, and, and the thing was is that he was, like, constantly moving around like this. I mean, he was just very, like, he was on something, and I don't think it was Red Bull. But he was just very, like, oh, man, that card, that card looks really good. But I don't know anything about hockey. I mean, is he a good player? I mean, I'm thinking about investing in hockey, but I, I have a lot to learn about hockey. And then he starts talking to this nice young man who came to my table every day and bought cards for me every day. So this nice young man, I won't say his name because he's a minor, but I gave him, I brought, I gave him some golden Knights cards. Um, and you know, every day he bought for me and I'm like, Hey, thanks for buying for me all five days. Please take, you know, have some cards on the house. Here's some golden Knights cards that I dug up for you. But then he starts talking to this kid. And he's like, so who, who's the good players? And what, what which one should I invest in? And uh, yeah, I, I just don't know a lot about hockey. And then he's like, Oh, I want to see this card. I want, I want to see this. Is this card any good? Uh, is, is that card any good? And then, like, he's like, well, I'm going to buy that card. And it was a really expensive card. And then somebody else was standing there. And I said, oh, can I help you, sir? And he's like, oh, I, I wanted to buy that card, too. But he asked about it first. And then Crackhead was like, oh, no, no, man. If, if, if you want to buy the card, you could buy the card. I mean, I'd feel really bad if I bought the card because you're a hockey fan. I'm not a hockey fan. I, I just, I, I, I wouldn't feel right about buying it if, if, if you really wanted to buy it. And I'm just thinking he didn't really want to buy it because he was trying to convince this other guy to buy it. And this, this went on, uh, this went on for like a half an hour. Did so, the other guy buy it? No, nobody bought it. <laughs> so, so was having this guy there, was he trying to like pump, pump your sales or what was he doing? <laughs> I don't even understand. This guy What's sounds like he was taking. What's the opposite of pumping my sales? Oh, destroying, destroying the uh, flow of the business, I guess. Well, you know when you want to say this, I don't know this person. He's not with me. Like if you were just talking in public, yeah. you know. Um, and 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 uh, I. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he took his kids' ADD medicine. He was just bouncing off the walls at that point. He was. He sprinkled he, a little something in his. Uh, his blunty smoke before he got there. He right. must have. He was just. He was just like well, with all the people outside. Yeah, there's an awful the... lot of that going on out front. Really? Oh yeah. 
Well, see, we're not, we're not used cloud. to that, Sal, because we're in yeah, Indiana. We're in Indiana, not Illinois. So it's not ah. legal here. Yeah. We don't have to walk through a giant cloud of, uh, of weed smoke to get into every <laughs> building we go into. Well, I mean, I don't care. But listen, I've been around people who, who've been high on marijuana, and this guy was not high on marijuana. No, yeah. It sounds like he was, like, whacked out on goofballs. Extra. He had something a little extra there. <laughs> he, he, yeah, definitely. And it was just like, you know, I mean, you want to be polite, but then you get you get to a point where, like, you just don't, like, you're just, you're just like, please just go away. You, you know what I mean? Like, because you're kind of, like, it's not like, oh, you're scaring off my customers. Because even people who are socially awkward are customers. And I got to tell you something. There's a lot of socially awkward people in the card collecting hobby. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if you two noticed that before, but. Oh, yeah. Of course. And I used to be one of them, you know, so. But that's one thing about this hobby is everybody. Huge mix. There's a huge mix of people from all race, creed, culture, all walks demographic, of all walks of life. But in a show like this, something like this, where you get to know people and, and can talk to people and meet with people and, and all of that, the, the better part of, of what's good about the hobby, I mean, that's that's exactly how a lot of people break through that, you know, awkwardness and everything else is you have this connection. You know, I collect cards, you collect cards. Well, we have something we can talk about and you can get you can overcome that little by little. And you know, use that a as CEO a CEO or a crackhead. Yeah, see, see, CEOs and crackheads can intermingle. <laughs> well, but the thing is, is that this guy definitely was not a collector because he didn't really seem to know anything about cards, oh. other than the cards that had more expensive price tags. He thought that those were the ones that he should buy because they'd be good investments. And it just, it, and he didn't buy anything, and that's fine because you know what. Three fourths of the people who stopped at my table didn't buy anything, and that's fine because I don't have I don't have something for everybody. But people who liked my stuff—I mean, I had people who came to my table over multiple days. I had people who said, "Do you have any more of this?" And I'd say, uh, "I'll bring it tomorrow," and they'd come back the next day, and I'd have something for you know what I mean. Like, you know, I'm I'm not trying to I'm not dissing somebody who didn't buy something. I'm just saying that this dude was a little cuckoo but uh whatever i mean oh. you know you had like you had this was the first show in a long time where i've seen non-card collectors at a card show because there'd just be people walking around and they'd be talking about like i mean i'd hear them say oh i think i can get this graded i think i could get this graded like and they knew nothing about cards i mean you could just just by listening to them or even talking to them they were very new collectors and that's okay because it's great that there's more people in the hobby and more people who want to buy hockey um but you got to help educate them a little bit and i think you know it's like when i go to the Isn't post that crazy office though? The, mm. think about the difference though you know when we started out collecting yeah we were kids yep but it's like how do we start out collecting buy a pack of cards you flip through a pack of cards. Oh, i know this guy i know this guy oh this is a cool card no now i, I want to collect cards what do i do well, find the most pristine, best-looking card and get it graded. Okay, I got into the hobby with a 35-cent pack of cards. These people are getting into the hobby with a $7,000 investment. That's so fun. I mean, it can be fun, but it's it's just, it's, 
when you start there, you don't have much room to go up unless you're spending a million dollars at that point. That's exactly it. And some people were, because I don't know if you got to walk around, but uh, the one auction house that has the Hannes Wagner uh, had it on display, that that SGC three grade. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, we we got a picture of it, but they had armed guards standing there and it was under glass case and everything else, but you could take photos with it. I think the auction was up to 4.8 million, if I'm not mistaken. She, I thought she said bid. it was. They she were said it was at four something. They, they were hoping it was get. They were thinking it was going to get to six. They were hoping for seven. So I, I think there's still a few days left in it. So it may end up being the highest, highest selling card. Who knows? Wow. Yeah. And I so, remember when Gretzky and McNall bought one for four hundred and fifty-one thousand dollars, and we thought that was crazy. Yeah, and and lo and behold, that was the first card that PSA graded. And guess what? It what? was trimmed. It was trimmed. Yep. Very first card they graded was trimmed. So but well, you know, like one that's thing a story I was that most people can go and look up and find. <laughs> and one thing I was there. just about to say really quick about um customer service is like you know, I remember going to the post office and people would want to like mail something and they didn't know what form to fill out or they didn't know like and and like the post office people would usually be really rude to them. And it'd be like, wow, OK, they've never mailed something to their grandparents in you know Russia before. And now you're going to like be mad at them because they didn't fill out the right form or whatever or they use duct tape on the box. They didn't know that they couldn't do that, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just think, I need this box to, to stay secure. So I never would ever feel bad or, like, be rude to a collector, a new collector who didn't know these things. Like, I explained, I had to explain Upper Deck EPAC to somebody because a gentleman wanted to sell me some cards. And I looked at a lot of the cards and I said, you know, most of these are really 50 cent cards. And I said, have you heard of Upper Deck EPAC? And he said, no. And I said, well, all right, well, let me explain to you the dynamic between Upper Deck EPAC and COMC and how this has affected card values of low-end cards, how it's made low-end cards almost, you know, basically floored them to like 50-cent cards. I'm talking about like scrub guns and such, right? So, I mean, sometimes you'd have to explain that to somebody. Like some guy wanted top dollar for a Jack Eichel autographed card he didn't want the card he was a baseball collector i think he wanted it at a drawing or something or a raffle because he was really trying to get rid of it and i just said look eichel plays on a last place team and he's not a well-liked player he's talented but he's not a well-liked player so even though this card is autographed and it's editioned out of 35 this card's not going to knock my socks off you know what I mean? It's not going to knock off the socks of most collectors. And, you know, we were able to negotiate a price that we both thought was fair. A lot of times people would be like, I want to sell you this card. And they'd say, oh, okay, what do you want for it? And they'd say, well, it sells for 100 on eBay, so I'll I'll take 100 And I'd say, well, that's not how it works because I have to turn around and sell it. You know what I mean? And, and I'd have to explain to them overhead. Or sometimes I would just say, you know, this is a card I'm going to sit on for, you know, a year or two because it's not Crosby. It's not Ovechkin. It's not McDavid. It's not Kaprizov. It's not Kane. It's not, and I mean Patrick Kane, not Evander Kane, who did not gamble on his own games, by the way. 
just want to throw that out allegedly. there. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> but, oh, um, his ex-wife says. <laughs> ex-wives say a lot of things. Yeah, they um, do. <laughs> yeah, they do. But, uh, you know, so it was just, it was kind of fun and kind of neat to, like, buy from people. And it's another thing. I did not get a chance to walk around a lot. In fact, other than going to the bathroom, and I was pretty close to the bathrooms, too, so I didn't even get to pass by too many tables. Sunday, I tried to find some vintage hockey to complete a set. No luck there whatsoever. Yeah, that if anybody had vintage hockey, it was me, other than the random Bobby Orr card that you'd see in a case. We found a few guys that were selling sets or had binders that you go through. Some of the vintage guys had vintage hockey in binders. And it was just everything was priced, so you'd flip through it, and everything had a price. We found a guy towards the back in the one section that, I don't know, we were walking by, and something told me to turn my head, and I turned and looked, and he had a shelving unit. And there just happened to be one box stuck on the top shelf that had written in pen, hockey, really small on it. And wow. somehow I saw that from like 10 feet away, and I walked over there, and... I'm looking, and I'm like, okay, there's all these complete sets on these shelves. But there's this one box that just says hockey. So when the guy's done talking, I said, what's in there? He's like, I don't know, what's it say? I said, hockey cards. He's like, okay, open it up. You can look. So I open it up, and it's everything was penny-sleeved in the entire box. It was probably a 700-count box. And it was all from 71 to 79, just oh. stacks of... Wow. Stacks of each year of what he had in there. And it was all penny-sleeved and priced. Everything in there. That's where I learned about unmarked... Yeah, that's where the unmarked checklist, checklist conversation. conversation came from. Mm. See, yeah. I learned something all the time. Yeah, and I was trying to explain to her. She was asking why on my, on my checklist for my set needs, for the sets that I'm building why I have in parentheses unmarked next to some of the numbers. I'm like, that's because it's a checklist. And if it says unmarked, I already have it, but some it's probably marked and I'm looking right. for an unmarked one. She's like, I don't understand. And so I had to explain to her the dip, what, yeah. what that whole phenomenon was is people as, used to use yeah. checklists as like a checklist. a checklist and they would mark them off. And you know, you're looking for something that's in better condition. Well, you don't want pen marks and somebody wrote all over your card. You want it unmarked. That's why unmarked checklists carry such a high resale value, especially on older sets where they're harder to find, where they'd be marked up. So that's that was a, a lesson in. Yeah, because I didn't think about that as, you know, you get cards now, you wouldn't dream of marking them up. Right. You know, not at all. You'd treat them like, you know bars of gold at this you'd, point you'd put them in a gun but case. as a as a little yeah, a gun case as a, a little case. kid you know you get your cards and okay i need this guy i got this guy so yeah that was that was interesting to learn about that because i didn't collect cards as a little kid you know i think my I first set of cards i ever got was garbage pail kids and the desert storm set uh, oh my god yeah. The Desert Storm set. Yeah. What made you buy that? I didn't buy it. I had, It was given to me some somewhere. Who knows? I don't know how I acquired it. I just know I had it. Somebody bought it for And you. then it ended up in my bike spokes. <laughs> Take that, Norman Schwartzkopf. 
<laughs> Storm and Norman makes a really good motorcycle sound. Sure does. Oh, the Desert Storm cards. Yeah, I remember those. I remember buying full boxes of Desert Storm Series 2. Uh, there used to be a dollar store called Dollar Bills. I don't know if they're still around. There's Dollar Tree, but this was Dollar Bills. And I would buy an entire 36-pack box of Desert Storm Series 2 for $1. And then I would open it, and the collation was so good that I would make four sets. If it could only be that good now. I'd, I'd make like three sets and three sticker sets or like four sets and four sticker sets or something like that. And I would turn around and I'd sell like the complete set for like $2. And like they'd sell, this was back in like 91, 92. And they'd sell like people were like, oh, cool, full set of Desert Storm cards. Okay, it's serious too, but hey, it's only $2, right? And like my $1 investment would turn into like $8. And as like a 17 year old kid, I just thought I was brilliant for doing that, but whatever. <laughs> And so it begins. Then the bottom fell out on a Desert Storm card market by oh, I don't know, ninety-three. Yeah. I saw yeah. a guy with I saw a guy with full boxes of them. I had a whole bunch of them, but he wanted yeah. thirty bucks a box. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I almost fainted when I saw some of the full box prices. Now this is for hockey, just ones that I remember. I remember seeing full boxes of ninety-three, ninety-four tops premier series one for twenty-two dollars a box. And full boxes of like 91 92 stadium club hockey for like $30 a box and like 90 91 upper deck hockey for like 30 35 dollars a box none of these things you're mentioning should be more than 15. i remember there was one box of cards it could have been upper deck and it was like one box for 30 or two for 57 and i'm like what like 93, 94 Fleer Ultra Series 2 for like $60 a box. We saw a 90, 91 upper deck. It was 40 or 50 bucks all day long. Everywhere it had it, 40 or 50 bucks. And I'm going, we used to buy these for 10 bucks. Even at the last national, you could have bought these for 10 bucks. That's what we used to buy the kids so they had something to open. Yeah. You buy them like cheap boxes of like junk wax. And yet, I had full sets of 9091 Upper Deck that nobody was even interested in at all. Yeah. Nobody wants to buy a full set. They want to buy the packs because they're looking for some kind of crazy card that they can get graded. That's why the sets are so much. That's why all of that junk wax stuff costs so much. When we talked about this, when we were talking about Opeachy Premier, look how much the 9091 Opeachy Premier boxes are now. They yes. went for a lot before relative to everything else. But now, they're $380 or yes. more. They've never been that high. And, and yet the sets have been trying to get the Yager cards graded. Right. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And it was reflected in the prices there. Just like she said, she was shocked with the pricing there. I expected it, which is why we went from table to table when we were buying boxes uh, of newer product. Just, okay, write this down. They're 80 on this, 100 on this, 140 on this. Go to the next table. Okay, they're 85 on this, only 90 on this. And, you know, and just figuring out, okay, we need to go get this one from this table and this mm -hmm. one from this table, mm -hmm. this one from this table. So, I mean, yeah, you're saving a buck or two here and there, but. Plus, we wanted to buy from several anyway to get the um, 
Yeah, we were trying to get the black packs. Black packs, yeah. Mm-hmm. So didn't get anything. We, we got a few of those. Nothing, nothing to write home about. We did get one insert. I think it was a Nico Heischer rookie rewind or something like that. Huh. But um, that was about it. I will say this: the other thing I noticed, what mm-hmm. one thing, other than the gun cases, um, the amount of drunk people. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and people not that just... were people that were paying nine bucks a beer, fourteen, and for fourteen for a mixed drink, yeah. and drinking multiple of them and stumbling, stumbling stumble bumming around. around. Yes. Oh my god! And it was scaring the crap out of me <laughs> seeing people walk up to tables with a beer in their hand that were like wobbling around, and I'm like, if somebody came up to my table where I had exposed boxes of my cards, I would be like, get the f away from here. All the shows you see, people, you know, a few people have yeah. those know, Rosemont shows. They a always, handful. yeah, There's they always, always open a up guys the... with beers and whatever. Right. But there were <laughs> the Rosemont shows. They always serve alcohol at the concession stands and stuff. But I've never seen it that many people walking around with not just walking. Or, okay, you walk around with a beer. These people were <laughs> yeah. they were drunk. drunk. It was crazy. There was actual drunk people. It was nuts. I would see people walk up to my table with beers. And I like I would get I'd be like hyper aware of oh, the yeah. movements, and I'd get really I get scared because they're standing like this, so their beer is like hovering over my cases, and like I didn't really have any exposed cards. I mean, I had cards under my glass display cases, and then I had like sets of cards out and like cardboard boxes, but whatever. But they do this. And the one thing I was I was afraid that somebody would just be a knucklehead and set the beer down on the case. Like, I, I not that they'd spill it. I mean, I was afraid of that, too. But I was just like, oh, please don't spill your beer on my cards. Like, even if they're in a case, like, just wiping that up. And I just, you know, because I don't think the cases are necessarily airtight or whatever. But, like, I just. It's, it's I, one thing that, like, you could get it on the glass. You could wipe that off. But if you have open boxes of cards that people are sifting through or sorting through, or big boxes of rows of top loaders and stuff, come on. You're standing there, you're just like flipping through cards and you you spill some in there. I'm like, hell no. I mean, I just, I even made sure I stepped away when I was drinking out of my water bottle. Just, I don't want to ruin anybody's stuff. You know, you just got to be. Yeah, that was one thing I was like, wow. This this is something. Yeah. This is something. And again, I think that appealed more to the new breed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what we're calling? Are we going to call them new breed or new blood? What are we going to call them? I called them the hobby bros the whole the whole day. We were there. Yeah. But I mean, that's exactly it. It appealed way more to what we were seeing that thing. So it's like, oh, I'm new to this hobby. I'm making money. I'm investing. I'm buying all this stuff. It's fly. I'm drinking. This is the greatest hobby ever. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that has to be mm-hmm. what they're thinking. It has to be. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with a fun name for them. I gotta imagine yeah. it's gonna be even worse at the Atlantic City show. The one in Columbus, Ohio? No, Atlantic City. Oh, yeah. Since they moved Atlantic City to <laughs> Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland. They had it posted on their... The NSCC had it uh, posted for their next setup of shows, and it said Atlantic City Convention Center, Cleveland, Ohio. Well, which is it? Well, it's in Atlantic City, but they had it posted on their page. It's at Atlantic City Convention Center, 
Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, they had. Oh, yeah, like, because it was supposed to be in Cleveland in 2022, but because oh, the they, 20... they they moved the Atlantic City Convention Center to Cleveland. Right. Um. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I might actually be able to go to the one in Atlantic City and set up, but I'm not sure yet. It's still kind of early to to think about that. I'm actually um. There are a couple of major card shows coming up in Chicago at the Rosemont Convention Center. One is over Labor Day weekend, September 4th to 6th. And then there's one um, in November, like around the 17th. So they're still doing their usual show in November and again in March. But they're also planning on doing a show Labor Day weekend. So we literally have... The National in Chicago, end of July and early August, and then another show in early September, and then another show in mid-November. So in like a four-month span, let's or five-month span, there's going to be like three big shows in the area. So, I mean, if you're that's from crazy. around here... That's crazy because the last 18 months we've had nothing. Yes, and I think that, that that's what they're doing is they're saying like, um, hey, there's so many people who want to do shows, let's... You know, let's try to meet the demand instead of just doing a show in November and March. Let's I mean, I think it's maybe a little greedy to do one um, Labor Day weekend. But at the same time, I haven't seen one Labor Day weekend and maybe it'll be successful. I don't know. I don't know. I know that's the one time a year we would always take vacation. That's what I mean. It's like people want a vacation and especially now people have not vacationed much. So now's the time to do that. Yeah. Could be. Could be good. Could be bad. Could be middle of the road. I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, I think I pretty much said everything I wanted to say about uh, the national. Anything else you guys want to add before we wrap this one up? I don't know. There's, there's still, even though we went through the whole thing, there was a lot that we didn't get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say it was. For the amount of time that we spent there the whole day on Saturday, I mean, we had a we had a great time. Mm-hmm. We found stuff that we were looking for. Mm-hmm. We were able to look through things, talk to people, and just, you know, I mean, we enjoyed it. And, and although there weren't all of the bells and whistles, maybe, of, of previous years on a Saturday, it was still fun. What did you say? Absolutely. I even found some cards in the other section. That's true. She did. Because <laughs> I collect, I, I really like that Alan Ginter. Mm-hmm. D- not, not the baseball cards. Yeah, no. Nothing, the, all nothing the weird speci- cards. Yeah, the weird cards. Nothing specific, but I did find, uh, I, I like the medical ones and like fantasy kind of. I found a set of, I can't remember, it was something like mythical creatures. It was like trolls and mermaids and stuff like that, so... I like, I mean, I love hockey, but I like the weird stuff too, so. Yeah. Because I'm a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a good time. I mean, it was was a blast, so. Wish we would have had more time. Maybe uh, the next time it comes to Chicago, you guys can make a weekend of it. Well, we tried to, but. (laughs) Yeah, by the the time we tried to plan that, there was no room. There was no No room at the the, end. We had been sleeping in the car. Yeah. Yeah, it's Stupid Music Festival is... Uh, well, that was the other thing. Yeah. Took up all the hotels. All yeah. Palooza going on. There was, yeah, there was nothing. That's okay. One of these years, we'll get it together. That's it then. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, 
please like and subscribe. Please give me a follow on Twitter at PuckJunk. Please give Tim a follow on Twitter at TheRealDFG. And please give Jess a follow on Twitter at WifeOfDFG. And until next time, collect what you like. Peace out. Bye. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.